politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots yearning to be free once again, just like the pilgrims. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here Tuesday, November 23rd. Our last day of the week, believe it or not, even though we're just getting started, so we'll try to pack it in today. All the latest news on uh, data and science of the bioweapon, two bioweapons, the virus that they created and the injections that they created to exacerbate it. And as well as all of the news in the fight for liberty, the state legislatures, uh, the latest news on crime and the Waukesha attack. So much going on here. I am really thankful to all of you for making this a terrific year, um, for making this a fast-growing show, just because we need to get the information out. We need to get that information out. I'm thankful that we still have some components of America left where we could fight for freedom, and boy, do we have to frantically utilize that when we still have the chance. We still need to utilize the abundance that God has given us as the godless church of liberalism utilizes scarcity to inhibit God's abundance. And that's really our our challenge of the time. God has given us unparalleled abundance where we had unparalleled energy resources, healthcare resources, you know, therapeutics, and they were all banned, made scarce, screwed up our supply chains. Uh, that's truly the story of America. You know, God is great and... Uh, evil man just plots and plots, and I think God has empowered us to use our free will to fight back against this. I am a little bit stuffed up, as you can tell, so just indulge me today. Um, my wife and kids got a terrible cold the last two weeks, like the worst we've had in five years, and I barely got clipped by it. Finally, finally got a little bit of it, um, but likely because of my vitamin D levels, everything I'm taking, it's uh, it's pretty... Uh, Pretty manageable here, just a little bit stuffed up. Um, very apropos today, our sponsor, We the People Holsters. Look, folks, we might not have freedom left, but we do still have the right to defend ourselves. Um, with criminals running rampant, you have to make sure you have the best protection. Now, that starts with a firearm and ammo, but you need a good gun belt and a holster so that it sits securely on your hip, whether it's inside the waist, outside the waist, uh, starting at just $40, We the People Holsters has custom-molded American-made firearms to fit your firearm exactly. They have thousands of options, including, by the way, uh, cool printed designs with uh, patriotic uh, designs on it. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Check out their uh, EDC tactical gun belts in addition to their holster holsters. They also have cool printed hoodies as well. Every holster and gun belt comes with a lifetime guarantee. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Get an extra $10 off with offer code CR. Again, wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Don't let that terrific firearm go lonely without the best American-made holster. So speaking of holsters, so we have crime out of control in this country, and I want to give you a little bit of a presentation as to how bad it's it's gotten in, in recent years. It's kind of cute being ahead of the curve you know, even when this was not in the news, you've heard me speak for years. I know I know we have a lot of new listeners, 
and you might have only heard me talking about COVID fascism, but one of my biggest issues over the years, and we're approaching our thousandth show, which will be our next show really uh, on on Monday, we'll have a special with Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, over the last number of years, it started out as a weekly show, then a bi-weekly eventually became a daily show on the weekday. We cover crime. And I've been warning since 2014 that both parties were getting together to lie and say somehow that we have an over-incarceration problem when really we have an under-incarceration problem, except for the, you know, those political persecution crimes like January 6th. But in general, we have an under-incarceration problem, and rather than fixing that, they made it worse and did unimaginable jailbreak and then culminating with COVID, where they use that as an excuse to just open up the jails, open up the prisons, to not prosecute new people that were committing violent crimes, and now there's a backlog in the courts. And this gets us back to Daryl Brooks, the alleged uh, Waukesha Parade Massacre. Um, you know, just before we get to the crime aspect, just on the terrorism aspect, like I told you yesterday, we are not going to hear anything new about his motive. They will never say what the motive is. They're going to bury it. This is the biggest story of the week, easily. Um, five people killed, 40 injured, seniors, you know, uh, putting on a, a parade, uh, kind of a Norman Rockwell type of parade in, in inside of Wisconsin. Uh, happy event there, and people just get mowed down. And this guy does it two days after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, which wasn't too far from Waukesha, and full of anti-Semitic, pro-Hitler, black supremacist social media postings. And it, 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 it won't get traced back to him. This will never be a story. Could you imagine if this happened, if, if there were a white guy that plowed into a black, all-black person parade with such media postings, we would have changed our culture, our law, and our policy and society over that as we did, even when no such event happened, but was alleged to have happened with George Floyd. And this is nothing. It just demonstrates you the power of the media and the power of feckless Republicans that fail to use these narratives. And this is really the theme of the day. The theme of the day is that it is so in our hands to do what's right. As I always say, the difference between success and failure in politics is, the, is a hairline. Um, we have supermajority areas in this country where most people vote for Trump, where most people agree with us, not everywhere, but in a lot of parts of this country, and yet we still fail, fail to make a difference. We fail to make a difference. And, um, you know, it gets back to Deuteronomy 30, towards the end of, of uh, Deuteronomy. When God talks about repentance, this commandment which I command you this day is not concealed from you, nor is it far away. It is not in the heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and fetch it for us to tell, tell to us so that we can fulfill it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the other side of the sea for us to fetch it for us, to tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. Rather, this thing is very close to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can fulfill it. It's there for us. The majority of the country, and certainly half of it, we have majorities 
what I mean by we, I don't mean Republicans, but I mean by people who think like us. Republicans need us to get elected in those areas. We could wipe them out in primaries. We need to get involved in district attorney elections and primaries, school board, county, state legislature, gubernatorial. But most importantly, it's not just the election. We need to hound them every day, focus on the legislation they're not passing, focus on the bad bills they are. We need to get on the playing field, and I'm telling you it makes all the difference. I'm seeing it in the states where we're succeeded, the states where we're not. It makes all the difference. Could you imagine if we had a Republican Party that would have been focusing on crime and the under-incarceration problem? We could have wiped out the, the, the left on this issue alone. I've been warning about it. But anyway, it turns out that we have a guy that runs over people in a parade who was let out two days ago on just a thousand bail for, you guessed it, running over a woman, running over her leg at a gas station. This happened November 5th. And that in itself, he was out on that bail because a year earlier, earlier this year in February, he was released on $500 bail after he was caught in a violent dispute discharging a firearm that, by the way, because of his 20-year felony career, including sexual assault, battery, strangulation, and, and tons of other things, he was not able to own a firearm. But yet, the same people that try to block us from defending ourselves with guns downright will take criminals that have multiple gun felonies after having been convicted of violent crimes, and they will let them out even though they violated their terms of bail, terms of probation a million times. So... An interesting dynamic occurred in Wisconsin last year. In general, it's the interesting dynamic that Republicans are actually stronger when there's a Democrat governor. And we find this at a federal level when they have Congress and there's a Democrat president. That, that's the irony. When they have full control, they go backwards. So what you have is when you have Democrat governors that are pro-criminal, Republican legislators fight back against them. But when you have Republicans control the trifecta, they work together to push the same pro-criminal crap in Utah and Louisiana, all these states, Texas, Oklahoma, criminal justice reform, like you find in New York and California. So actually in Wisconsin, where you have Governor Tony Evers, Democrat, uh, in, in February of 2020, the legislator passed four solid bills that would have prevented Daryl Brooks from getting out of jail and would have saved the five lives there today. We need to push legislation at least as tough as those bills in every state, and that is going to be a big action item for the January session because this is a problem in all 50 states. And by the way, I should first say our sponsor today, very appropriate as well, iTarget Pro. Um, in order to properly defend yourself, you need the proper muscle memory to practice drawing from the holster, the sight alignment, picture alignment, uh, trigger manipulation without jerking the trigger, you need practice. The problem is ammo is so expensive. What if I told you in the privacy of your home, you could practice 99% of gun skills and make back your money that you would spend at the range in just one, basically one practice session, and then the rest is free. iTarget Pro makes a propriety app where you download it, and they give you a target, and they give you a laser bullet that you put into your gun, and it comes for any caliber. They have it sized for 9mm, uh, 45 cal, and, and rifle rounds as well. It fits into your 223 for an AR. 
and you put it in and you shoot dry fire obviously you know safety check nothing in it no ammo around make sure you don't have any ammo around you put the dummy bullet in it and boom you fire away um you could time your draw how long it took you it renders your shots on it it's really cool it's like a hundred bucks plus ten percent off plus free shipping with offer code CR. So if you go to the letter I, itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, offer code CR, um, you could really, this is a really good deal. It makes a really good Christmas present, um, Hanukkah present, whatever, for with the, all the holidays coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, really very affordable, and I could tell you it's not a gimmick. Um, it's something that has helped me get a lot better, keep my muscle memory up, and yeah, you know, it's good to go go out to the range once in a while. But again, if you're gonna if you want to do it every week or even twice a month, you down three hundred rounds each time. That that's that's a fortune nowadays. Here you make it back in one session. So again, itargetpro.com offer code CR. So back to the crime bills. They passed four bills. Assembly Bill 805. It required the Department of Corrections to revoke parole from anyone charged with a crime while on parole, extended supervision, and probation. Right? They're all like, oh, people deserve second chances. Well, first of all, built into our system is 10 chances before you get them locked up. But everyone should agree that if you are given that parole, probation, you know, bail, whatever it is, pretrial, post-trial, if you break the terms, you should be incarcerated. So that was 805. He vetoed it. 806 was... Um, juvenile crime, right? You know, no one's talking about locking up juveniles for 50 years for shoplifting. What we're saying is this is a bill to basically authorize jail time, not a lot, but some for class G felonies, which in Wisconsin are type of crimes that come with 10 years in prison if committed by an adult, okay? Um, in most states now, juveniles basically cannot be locked up. And this is this is a big problem because a massive percentage of the violent crime is committed by juveniles now. Assembly Bill 808, the bill would have barred a prosecutor from dismissing a charge of felony firearm possession. Perfect thing. Imagine this. Democrats are like, oh my gosh, gun crimes, gun crimes. Then when you actually have a felon caught in possession, well, I don't want to lock him up. Because this is all about lowering the prison numbers at all costs. And then Assembly Bill 809 would have simply barred the early re release of anyone convicted of violent crime like homicide or aggravated battery. These are all things that are problems in all 50 states, including red states. Violent criminals getting out early, barely being sentenced, um, violating their parole a number of times, violating their parole with firearms felonies. This is the way to blow up all of the anti-Second Amendment stuff, all the pro-criminal stuff. So Tony Evers vetoed it. But again, ironically, in the red states, we can't even get them to pass these bills. And in fact, they're doing stuff to make these issues even worse. So this would have covered a guy like Daryl Brooks, and those five individuals who are victims would be alive today. And that's assuming no one else dies either. I want to give you guys a sense of just how much we have an under-incarceration problem in this country. Okay. Just in terms of the, the number of crimes committed versus the number of people we even catch versus the number of people we even incarcerate versus the duration of of the time that they're even in prison, this, this notion that we just grab people and lock them up forever for no, low-level crimes is bull because most high-level crimes, they never even wind up in prison, and the few that do are there for a short period of time, even if it piggybacked off of a massive record of repeat violent 
offenses. I'm working off of 2019 numbers. So it only got worse in 2020 because there was more crime. And the clearance numbers are worse. So there's something called a clearance rate. The percentage of crimes, according to the FBI and their data set, that are cleared in a given year. And clear me- cleared basically means it resulted in arrest or kind of you know closed the case for other reasons. Case closed. 61.4% of the 14,325 homicides were cleared. 32.9% of the 124,817 rapes were cleared. Just 30.5% of the 239,000 or so armed robberies were cleared. And just 52.3% of the 726,000 aggravated assaults were cleared. What that means, okay, if you do the math, is that there are 5,000, this is just one year, and the same numbers are reoccurring every single year. So it compounds. There are just, so, so what this means is just in one year, there are 500, no, 5,529 murder cases. 83,752 rape cases, 166,000 and change armed robbery cases, and 346,000 aggravated assault cases that resulted in no arrest. Okay, no arrest. Straight up, no arrest. So if you just forget about drugs, forget about property crimes, forget about burglary, larceny, and then this stuff is very destructive. Firearms, charges, we're not even getting to that. Okay? Roughly, by my math, 758,000 violent criminal cases that went without a resolution in just one year. Okay? So, I mean, wouldn't we all love to solve, you know, clear 100% of all violent crime, right? Saying even if you're one of these that drugs are awesome, firearm felons are awesome, burglary is awesome, right? But, but, I mean, violent criminal categories, the big four, wouldn't we love to solve them? Well, guess what? If we would solve all of them, that would be another 758,000 in prison. Now, it's not really because, obviously, a lot of the heavy hitters commit multiple ones each year. So it's not 758,000 in one year, but it's at least a few hundred thousand. There's no real way of researching that. You know, how many are doubles, you know, the same. But, but those are the number of crimes that went unsolved for the violent criminal categories. So just that alone, everyone agrees those people belong in jail for some period of time, and they're not there. But I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. What about the, I have to do the math here, but the roughly, you know, equal amount or maybe a less amount, five, six, seven hundred thousand violent crimes that are cleared. It doesn't mean they all went to jail and served a significant amount of time. No, 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 no. Even the ones that are cleared, very few of them result in true justice. All it means is that they they arrested the guy. How many of them were arrested but then let go? How many of them were never convicted? How many of them were convicted but um, sentenced to time served, sentenced to probation? How many got of the ones that got prison time got way below what they should have gotten? Well, You could do a lot of studies on this, but let me just give you data that I have from one state, Minnesota, in 2019. Out of 17,355 felony convictions, okay, just 3,600 were fully sentenced 
in accordance with the guidelines. Okay? That's like less than 20%. We're sentenced to the guidelines, and the guidelines aren't great. In many cases, they're, they're way too lenient. And that doesn't account for one confounding factor in that almost all of them get out from prison early. That doesn't factor in the time served. That's the time sentenced. So you want to do that, you're talking about probably less than 5%. Truly serve the time according to the guidelines. These are felonies, not misdemeanors. Our system is an utter joke. And it's, and it's only accelerated. And again, you look, if you go to the Federalist, they have a, a list of Daryl Brooks's history. You look at his thing, like for violent crimes, 30 days here, 60 days here, 90 days there. I don't think he's ever served more than a few months at a time. It's a complete, and this was, by the way, last decade when we were supposedly locking up everyone. That was the era of incarceration. Forget about now. Now, I'm going to shock you with some more statistics. But first, our final sponsor for today, of course, Seven Cells Telehealth. If you go to sevencells.com, that's S-E-V-E-N-C-E-L-L-S.com slash Daniel, okay? You could order ivermectin. If you go to plainsevencells.com, you could order nitazoxanide. They have to do that because of the war against them. It's a long story. Um, 20% off with promo code Daniel. This is how you get it into your house immediately. Ivermectin is oxenide. I have not heard of anyone who had it on the shelf, no matter their comorbidities, and they started taking it from day one and you know had to go to the hospital. I've yet to hear of a case. Um, the problem is I hear so many people, they wait and scramble to get it once they're sick. So if you want to get it and you feel you need it, Now's the time to do it. This is what we can offer. This is the best we can do. Um, you know, you you fill out the form. They'll give you the prescription. Uh, and it's a prescription and a filling of the prescription all in one synergistic operation. Usually within two days, it ships out. And then depending on the shipping method you you uh, provide, it you know takes another couple of days. And then, boom, you got it on the shelf. It's the nitazoxanide are 500 milligram or 485 milligram pills. Um, the dosage is two a day when you have COVID for at least five days. Um, for ivermectin, um, they they peg it to your weight, 0.2 migs. So a lot of you want to follow the FLCC and get the 0.4. So just order accordingly, you know, because you could order up to 60 pills. So again, that is sevencells.com and for the ivermectin, sevencells.com forward slash Daniel until we get the cyber attack and the vendor issue resolved. Um, and, and remember, promo code Daniel for 20% off. So anyway, I told you I would shock you with statistics. And I, by the way, I do want to get back to COVID stuff. But just to finish the circle here on crime, according to BJS, among prisoners released from state prison in 2018. So this is not those going into the system now Oh my gosh, after all the leniencies they passed. These are people that were released. So what they do is they they took a look at the states, looked at everyone who was released in 2018, and calculated how many, you know, how long they served, um, for what crime, and they, they put out this report every few years. 
So this was before the worst jailbreaks, before so many laws were changed the last few years, before the coronavirus jailbreak, when things were still, these are people that were sentenced, you know, last decade, okay? So it still wasn't even as bad as it is now. On average, the aggregate, if you take everyone released, they only served 44% of their sentence, which we said to begin with is already very light. And to begin with, many don't even get sentenced to prison. Okay, these are among those that did. Even for murder, the average time served was 58% of their sentence. Okay, but I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. The median length of time served for murder, right? Everyone in murder gets gets life in prison, right? This is not um, manslaughter. Okay, this is murder. Murder. Right, the non-negligent manslaughter is another category here. And, and if you want to look this up, Google Bureau of Justice Statistics Time Served in State Prison 2018, and you'll get a report. And if you want to look at Table 2 is where you'll find it. Non-negligent manslaughter, that's a whole other thing. But murder. Listen to this. The median length of time served for murder was less than 10 years in 30% of prisoners and was... More than 20 years in only 42%. So less than half of all convicted murderers, not non-negligent manslaughter, served more than 20 years. Okay? And by the way, 15% served less than five years. So this is very common. What about rape? The median time served for rape was less than 10 years in 64% of prisoners convicted of rape. In total, 71% of those serving time for a violent crime category serve less than five years, and nearly half serve less than two years. Okay? So this whole notion... That somehow we're locking people up and, and, and the drugs and you, you want to get to things like drugs, it's it's nonsense. Um, you go to drug trafficking, okay? Drug trafficking, not possession. Very few people served trafficking. 79% served less than three years, 64% served less than two years, and even 37% served less than one year. The median sentence for drug trafficking is about a year and five months. Okay? So that's that's with that. The notion that we're just like, you know, throwing people away, locking the key, that's nonsense. The median time served for burglary, okay, 17 months. Median time served for larceny, 11 months. And again, th- th- these are among those who serve time. If you if you factor in the greater universe that never get convicted, never get caught, you're talking about a tiny percentage. So the notion that somehow, even if you could find me a few examples where you think people are over-incarcerated, and certainly we, we know that with political crimes, January 6th, but, but you know, even other things, for every one of those things, I could find you a universe a hundred times larger that are under-incarcerated or never incarcerated. So the notion that we have an over-incarceration and not an under-incarceration problem is demonstrably false. 
And by the way, as crime skyrockets, the clearance rates are dipping. In in Milwaukee, you know, we're talking about Milwaukee. This guy was you know, Daryl Brooks was from there. Uh, the, the clearance rate dipped below 50% this year. By the way, it looks like they're going to break last year's record of record homicides, just like many cities like Indianapolis and cities in Ohio all over the country. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, in 2019, this is very important because the prison population has gone down like 17% since then. This is before the coronavirus jailbreak. The combined state and federal prison imprisonment rate was the lowest since 1995, but again, it's really the lowest since Reagan's time. Furthermore, the imprisonment rate has actually plummeted 29% among black residents, 32% among black adults, and 24% among Hispanics, resulting in the lowest black imprisonment rate since 1989. And again, that was as of 2019. Now it's probably like as of 1979. We have erased the entire thing. And they're still talking as if we have record incarceration. No, we have record crime. And again, some people might celebrate that statistic. But what is a boon to black criminals is bloodshed to black victims. Milwaukee is a city where blacks compose less than 40% of the city's population. There's a significant minority of it, but less than 40%, about 38 39%. But they accounted for 91% of this year's record number of homicide victims. How hard is it for Republicans in the half of the states that they control to address the juvenile crime problem, the pretrial bail problem, the weak sentencing problem? And there's so many issues that need to be fixed, but victims of crime are never heard from. This is definitely going to be one of my big issues coming up. But it's kind of cute. Hey, the water is warm. It's cute watching all these phony conservatives, by the way, from certain publications that I remember that banned any content that questioned the First Step Act and jailbreak. I was literally the last man standing, the only guy with a byline consistently writing against jailbreak when every single conservative figure and think tank bought into it, and it is going to cost thousands of lives. You cannot imagine how many thousands of people like Daryl Brooks, are on the streets because of bipartisan jailbreak. Hundreds of thousands. Truly unbelievable. But let's get to some of the COVID news for the day. So the first thing I want to start off with with COVID is actually along the similar theme, that it is so in the hands of Republicans to deal with this in the states they control, just like with crime— and what's similar to what the Wisconsin legislature did in uh, 2020, but you know, obviously the governor did veto it, their Democratic governor. So Kansas last night, uh, the legislature passed a bill authorizing unemployment insurance for those canned uh, from their jobs because of the injection mandates. And um, look, it's one of these watered down bills, but it is does appear to be a full conscience exemption, which you know anyone could could request. And it passed. And you know what? The Democrat governor is going to sign it. Very interesting. So, you know, obviously she's scared of her job because she's in a deep red state in a very unpopular year for Dems where Republicans will do well. So here's the irony. Sometimes it's worse when they have the trifecta. Like, uh, you know, in a state like New Hampshire, they're begging to have a special session to deal with this. But Krista Nuno, who's an utter dog 
I heard that he privately called uh, uh, Governor DeSantis a communist. Um, and when he's this, this guy's a communist, he's a fascist too. So there's nothing you can do. Like he refuses. He refuses. So in the state of Kansas, with a Democrat governor, we're able to accomplish more than places where, where you have Republicans. So we now have, in terms of states that at least pass something like halfway decent, we have Florida, Montana, Alabama, um, Iowa, West Virginia, Kansas. Is that it? I'm trying to think here. I mean, it's pathetic. But North Dakota, we did get, you know, a partial ivermectin bill, you know, right to prescribe at least, pass, but not a vaccine mandate bill. We didn't get it in South Dakota. We didn't get it in Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, Texas, Arizona so far, Oklahoma. No, none of this. Not really in Arkansas. Not in Missouri. Not in New Hampshire. Ohio, they're in the process. We'll see what happens there. And Indiana, for sure, we couldn't get it. And Kentucky is another state that's similar to Kansas. Very similar in the respect that there's a Dem governor, but Republicans have like three-quarter, three-to-one majorities, and they could override a veto, just like in Kansas, with 51%. So you could crush it and govern from the legislature by a mile, and yet they won't do anything. But you see the difference it makes. It looks insurmountable. Daniel, the businesses are going to do it anyway. They're not listening. Well, what happens? Look at what's happening in Florida. When they know they're not just passing a bill, but the governor means business. It's not just Walt Disney. Now a number of other companies, including healthcare companies, are reversing their mandate. Um, the Surgeon General uh, Ladapo, he published yesterday from the Department of Health, a simple religious liberty form. It's a very simple form. You download it, um, and basically it just, you, you put your name on there, and your, maybe the date. There's like a handful of boxes, very simple. The date of the request, your signature, and that's it. And there's already... Uh, a pre-coin, so you don't have to sit and write and explain your beliefs and beg, nothing. You just sign your name, and that's it. There's boilerplate language from the Department of Health that says, pursuant to Section 3810317 Florida Statutes, I hereby declare that I decline the COVID vaccine because of a sincerely held religious belief, which may include a sincerely held moral or ethical belief. Done. Done, and they know they're going to enforce it. Why can't we do that in every state? And imagine the synergistic momentum we would reap were every Republican state to do that. And imagine if they were to do that on a number of other issues, on the right to try, on privacy, on everything. See, this is my concern about relying on the Fifth Circuit. They're backing down. They're using that as a crutch. But that's not going to be enough because all that's going to do is say, oh, the feds can't force the businesses, but they'll privately use the carrot and stick to basically make especially all the big corporations do it anyway. Most states, aside from Oklahoma, they haven't even uh, helped out their own National Guard yet. The difference between getting on the playing field 
and not is, is everything. Everything the left pushes has support that is a mile wide but only an inch deep. You poke it a little bit and it falls apart. This, this is why I can't sleep at night. Not because I think we're screwed, because I think it doesn't have to be this way. And I know it doesn't have to be this way. You know, you go to Israel, they're done. You go to Australia, they're done. You go to large swaths of Europe, they're, they're done. It's North Korea. But in America, we have a decentralized system. And there's still parts of the country we could totally win on this. I would say a majority, but certainly at least in a handful of places where we don't even fight. You know, one important action item, there is a bill, HB 2013, by Representative Diamond in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania House, that is a constitutional amendment to get on the ballot. Okay, we talked about this, the need for every state to affirm bodily integrity rights. Um, and let me just find the language here. So now, again, in Pennsylvania, you have to pass it in two successive uh, legislative sessions. Now, only a majority is needed, but they could do it now and then again because it's, it's at the end of the year. And then when they start in January, they could do it again and get it on the ballot in time. They could do this. It is totally in their power. But the amendment is the right of an individual to refuse any medical procedure, treatment, injection, vaccine, or prophylactic may not be questioned or interfered with in any manner. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged to any person in this commonwealth because of the exercise of the right under this section. A very simple thing, and I agree with that. Um, you know, I would just maybe tweak the language a way that would make sure it covers masks. They claim it does. And, and that's it. There is no reason we can't have that on a ballot in most red states, depending on their laws and how easy it is to get it on the ballot. So that's going to be a big action item I'm going to be pushing with as many people as I can. And I need you as well to work on your ConAction teams. Sign up at ConAction.network. Um, I still need team leaders in Kansas, in uh, South Dakota, in Utah, Mississippi, um, as well as Kentucky, North Carolina, several other states. We could use some help in Indiana as well. Arkansas, these are all states we need help in. Oklahoma, uh, most other red states we do have. But folks, it doesn't take much. But if we don't fight, it's not going to happen. You know, you know what's interesting? Idaho Senator Risch, Jim Risch, he said he is dismayed with fellow GOP senators for putting a blockade on Biden's diplomatic picks. And I'm thinking, here we have the Fourth Reich. We have them creating a virus, killing us with it, blocking treatment for it, cost of living, you know, killing people in hospitals, requiring people to get poisonous injections, remdesivir, all these crises the crime crisis, the refugee resettlement crisis, the border crisis, and this guy's concern that some Republicans are being too harsh on Biden's diplomatic nominees. This is what we have in red states. 
at a time when it's like North Korea. You know, you know, you know what uh, Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, said yesterday. She said to give you a sense of what lockdowns were able to do in other countries, and I mean really strict lockdowns in China, their death rate is three per million. Now, put aside the joke that China hasn't had a single recorded death since. 19 months because they don't record their deaths. I mean, what a joke. But she's praising China. Like, that's what she wants to do here if she had uh, the power to do that, which they might. It's unbelievable. You get a sense of the, the sick stories that's going on. There are truly sick stories. Let me read this to you from Pennsylvania, actually. Um, a member of the legislature sent it to me because they're working on a bill to obviously uh, deal with right to try in the hospitals. I got a call from a doctor tonight. He provided treatment to a Hispanic patient via telehealth who was positive for COVID. He prescribed her ivermectin and vitamins. Um, I'm assuming he got her too late because she was already experiencing breathing difficulties. She's about 300 pounds. She went to Berks County Hospital. She was admitted, ended up in the ICU. She refused remdesivir, and they were rude and angry with her, but gave her budesonide and steroids. So at least budesonide, and, and she was getting better. So she was she took her ivermectin and vitamins in her bag, and it was helping, and she was on her road to recovery. A nurse confiscated her personal bag that had the vitamins and ivermectin without her knowledge or permission. When she challenged the nurse, she said, you may pick up your bag in pharmacy upon discharge. Frustrated, the patient called the doctor who first treated her for help. The doctor called the hospital. The nurse he spoke to was rude and uncooperative. The doctor asked why at a minimum the patient couldn't continue with the vitamins. The nurse responded, it's doctors like you who are prolonging this pandemic. The patient wanted to transfer to another hospital, but insurance won't cover lateral transfers. And they're right. It's doctors like that that are prolonging their version of it, which is actually saving people because they want to prolong the misery. Prolong the misery. It is sick. These people are animals, utter animals. It is shocking that we don't have a bill that has passed in every state to make sure doctors have the right to prescribe, Pharmacists must fill. Hospitals must allow them to use. Insurance companies must cover. Because again, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you're going to have coverage mandates, they need to be applied equally. You want to get rid of all coverage mandates. We could shake hands on that. But until we do that, and unless we do that, I don't want to hear about this, you know, all regulating business crap. And then we have the kill shots. No matter how much information comes out on them, not a single state. They're pushing back against the shots. It's truly shocking. The information we find out on a daily basis. There's a study out by German uh, researchers. uh, Auto antibody released in children after coronavirus mRNA vaccination. A risk factor of multi-system inflammatory syndrome. They basically admit that they discovered this new disease, like an autoimmune disease, in children that have received the vaccine. And they say, we are aware that misattribution of, of MIS 
as a severe complication of coronavirus vaccination can lead to increased vaccine hesitancy. It's amazing. They always have to apologize for any study like this. However, the pediatric population is at a higher risk of MIS and at a very low risk of COVID-19 mortality. So you might kind of want to look at this. Oh, Steve Kirsch put out today, if you take a look at the top um, reported uh, elements on theirs, okay, there are close to 10,000 adverse event types elevated by COVID vaccines. 10,000 adverse event types are elevated over what's called their background rate. You have a typical amount in a given week, a given month of whatever myocarditis, of of uh, you know strokes and whatever um, thrombosis. The number one thing is heavy menstrual bleeding. It's increased by a factor of 8,820. So 8,820 times the baseline count that you would see in that given period of time. Heart rate increase. Elevated heart rate is elevated by a factor of 7,973. Okay? Unbelievable. So those are the big ones. But you go to things like Bell's palsy, which is a form of uh, paralysis, 1,533-time increase. Facial discomfort, 1,405-fold increase. Okay? And then even when you get to real serious things, pulmonary embolism, which is deadly, 954-fold the background rate. Anticoagulant therapy, 961 times more. Pulmonary thrombosis, 853 times. Oxygen saturation, 859 times. Um, Let's see where else we are. And then, and then there's all sorts of other like menstrual irregularities that are put on there. But infusions, just a rate of it reported, meaning they, they needed some sort of infusion 715 times. And for what? For something that doesn't work on the people who really need it. You know, it's interesting that there was a letter to the editor of the British Medical Journal published by this Dr. Peter Doshi. Back in October of last year, when they were pushing the approval of the shots. And he notes here that the frail elderly are disproportionately contributing to the serious case of COVID-19, yet they were insufficiently recruited into the randomized trials. So we have precious little evidence from the trials on how effective the vaccines are. It's unbelievable. He warned about that back then, and to this day, we are facing that problem. To this day, we're facing that problem. It turns out there were only 12 people in Pfizer's booster trial over 65. 12, a sample of 12 people. That was the whole thing they started the boosters for. Okay? Only 12 people. 
Pfizer eliminated 34 of the 268 people testing positive within 28 days of the booster. The booster trial showed zero effect from the booster versus placebo on hospitalization or death. Zero effect. But the lies are going to continue. You know what's funny? Oh, this is hilarious. You got to get a load of this. So what happened was yesterday I put out an article on Molnupiravir. Um, I basically trashed Merck's um, toxic mutagenic drug um, that they're going to come out with soon and that's already been approved in England and you know, places in Asia, a couple other countries in Europe. And it was the funniest thing imaginable. So they're so used to censoring any information on therapeutics that they didn't update their algorithm on Facebook. So what happened was I put out on on Facebook, you know, I put out my article and they said they basically put out a message uh, let, let me give you the exact thing. They put out a warning. Some unapproved COVID-19 treatments may cause serious harm. <laughs> so they thought I was talking about like ivermectin or something, but really <laughs> I was on Molnupiravir. So they were trashing their own. I'm wondering how long it's going to take for them to update their algorithm. That's how stupid this whole thing is. And yet people buy into it. All this information, and here their stupid algorithm is broken. By the way, speaking of Facebook, there's a fascinating Washington Post article just on another topic came out earlier this week, like two days ago. Um, it was on Facebook censoring um, hate speech, you know, like getting rid of racism and things like that. And so the Washington Post, the t- title is Facebook's race-blind practices around hate speech came at the expense of black users' new document show. So basically, here's what they say. I'm just going to quote a little bit. So, they, you know, they, they have you believe that all the racism is white on black. And really, as we well know, 99% is the exact opposite. So yet racist posts against minorities weren't what Facebook's own hate speech detection algorithms were most commonly finding. The software, which the company introduced in 2015, was supposed to detect and automatically delete hate speech before users saw it. Publicly, the company said in 2019 that its algorithm proactively caught more than 80% of hate speech. But this statistic hit a serious problem that was obvious to researchers. The algorithm was aggressively detecting comments denigrating white people more than attacks on any other group, according to several of the documents. One April 2020 document said roughly 90% of hate speech subject to the content takedowns were statements of contempt, inferiority, and disgust directed at white people, (laughs) though the time frame is unclear. So they're like, this is a problem. It's taking out the wrong hate speech. So really, the reason is because, you know, they created an algorithm. So it 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 worked. It detected the hate speech that was out there. But 90% of the hate speech out there is directed against whites. So, you know, it, 90% of what it caught was against whites. It did its job, but not the job they were trying to do. Oh, my God. This is just unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. You literally cannot make this stuff up. It's that hilarious. Uh, what, what, what are you going to do? If you can't cry, you got to laugh. It's that, it's that bad. But folks, the point is, all of this is in our hands. It's in our mouth, our heart, and our hands to do, to act. This is our time. This is our moment. The coming months with the legislative sessions and the primaries, we got to get ballot initiatives on. 
but moreover, it's all of it together. It's the synergy of the people, the businesses, the elected conservatives getting together, throwing out people, challenging them, and you all of it together. It's not any one thing. You know, when Ron DeSantis tiptoed into it, school boards were still pushing back. They were masking people. It took a few months of effort, and now he's finally changing the culture there. And by the way, we are going to have him on for our thousandth show, a special episode on Monday. Uh, let me know the questions you have for him. Um, but but this is this is what we have. Truly unbelievable what's going on. The times we live in. Now, we're about out of time here. And I do feel bad that this is our last show. But, you know, look, I'll be all over Twitter. I might even put out a video or so on Twitter. Um, but, you know, as we, as we approach Thanksgiving, I really think one of the things that we should do, I would love to start off the January legislative session, maybe New Year's itself, rather than making a holiday. Make it a day of Thanksgiving. Now, I know we have Thanksgiving this week, but what Thanksgiving actually originally meant in the time of our founding, which was a day of prayer and fasting. Ultimately, that's what we need to do. You know, the first National Thanksgiving Proclamation was declared um, by the Continental Congress already before they even had the government in 1777. It was drafted by Sam Adams December 17th. The colonists marked a day of Thanksgiving to acknowledge with gratitude their obligation to him, meaning God, for benefits received and to implore such further blessings as they stand in need of them. We have to recognize the source of the blessings, and we have to recognize that we cannot obtain more blessings without beseeching the one who gave us the original blessings. And this is really the problem, that we don't have this in our life anymore the way we did during our found, uh, the time of our founders. Um, I think one of the most ap- appropriate quotes on this that speaks to our time was said by Robert Winthrop, He was a former Speaker of the House. He warned in uh, 1849, men, in a word, must necessarily be controlled either by a power within them or by a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. And it is so true. It is so true. Commensurate with the drop in religious adherence and service in this country was a precipitous decline in our liberties. Now that we've repudiated the Bible and defiled the Constitution in this country, we've embraced the bayonet. Our fellow countrymen have embraced it. A large and overbearing government that is the steward of liberty rather than its protector. And liberty means the opposite of what it means. It means you must get a clot shot, but you cannot heal yourself. Look, clearly the problems we face are, in, are, are truly insurmountable from any man-made plan of action. Alone. We have one course of action left. To once again recognize that in order to restore everything that made this country great, We must first identify and then beseech the one who bestows all blessings. It says in Chronicles 7.14, 
And my people upon whom my name is called humble themselves and pray and seek my presence and repeat of their evil or and repent of their evil ways, I shall hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. It really is the number one action item. God promises us that if we sincerely return to him, cry out to him, um, he will heal us. With this in mind, let us turn to God, lift our arms up in prayer with the very prayer that our forefathers delivered on that first Thanksgiving, thanking God for the Revolutionary War victory. It is the indispensable duty of all men to adore the superintending providence of Almighty God, to acknowledge with gratitude their obligation to him for benefits received, and to implore such farther blessings as they stand in need of. And boy, do we stand in need of God's help, God's blessings, We pray to God that he heals us from this terrible bioweapon, both the virus and the injections, that he puts in the hearts and minds of men to reject this and to return to his ways, his immune system, his faith, that he give us the countenance and acumen to do what's right in his mind to protect and save people, their health, their security, to throw out the evil and to bend the hearts of the wicked so that they'll ultimately repent. This really is where it's all at. I mean, we kind of talk about this as a talking point, but do we believe it in our hearts? You know, I myself get so involved in the physicality of this, we often forget that we're just Legos like Lego toys in a world on a, a string that's always being controlled by God. And ultimately, that is what we're thankful for the most headed into this Thanksgiving, that we really are not in the hands of these people. For if we were, it would truly be scary. Oh my gosh, they could do anything to us, and there's nothing stopping it. It does seem that way, but it's not really true. It's all God's judgment. God could reverse this immediately. And like I said, you look at the fortune politically and sometimes it reverses overnight. What seems so dark and hopeless precipitously turns around just like the sunset the next morning after the sunrise the next morning after the sunset. I'm confident that if we could get enough people to return to God, to work on an action plan and pray to God for his blessing and in, in the success of that plan, I think our time could rise as we head into the new year. So let us lift our hands up in prayer and beseech God for blessings. Let him know that we're we're out of options. We have no power without him. But ultimately, the most empowering thought is that everything is in God's hands and he will protect us. I hope you guys have a terrific Thanksgiving holiday week and weekend. We'll be back same time, same place next Monday. Until then... God bless you all. Enjoy your family. And thank you for listening.